Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Witching Hour Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Royceland. Thank you for joining today's episode. I'm going to give you my quick thoughts on Studio 666. Before having done so, I obviously want to pay my respects to the Taylor Hawkins family and to the Foo Fighters family and fans across the nation. Um, It was a terrible loss. And my condolences definitely go out to everyone who knew him and loved him. With that being said, Studio 666, um, directed by B.J. McDonald, uh, who you also know the work from. He directed uh, Hatchet 3, as well as Slayer's Repentless Kilogy, which totally blew my mind when I saw that. Um, BJ was nice enough to have set me up with a at-home screener the night the film was revi- was released. So, BJ, I definitely thank you for that. Um, I'm a little bit behind in getting this story up. Uh, I went through a about two months of, uh, of some, um, let's just call it serious um, hospitalizations for uh, extreme headaches. Um... Yeah, so anyhow, I'm a little bit behind. Many of you may have already seen the movie. Many of you may have not. So anyhow, here we go. Studio 666. Movie runs about an hour and 46 minutes. The story was actually derived by Dave Grohl himself. Um, <laughs> the film stars, obviously, the Foo Fighters. Um... Jeff Garland plays the record label executive. Now, who the hell is Jeff Garland, you might be asking. Jeff, if you remember the Eddie Murphy film, Daddy Daycare, he was one of his partners along next to Steve Zahn. He was kind of the loudmouthed father. Now you know who I'm talking about. Um, he had some great cameos. Um... Carrie King from Slayer, of course. Not so much a cameo, but a small part. He actually um, uh, played a roadie for the Foo Fighters. Um, John fucking Carpenter uh, played one of the uh, uh, sound engineers, as well as also lent his hand with Dave in um, doing a theme song uh, for the film for Studio 666. Um <laughs> and a cameo <laughs> that I never ever thought I'd see Mr. Lionel Richie himself um, the band surprisingly did a great job you know, with their acting um, although one name does stick out uh, Mr. Ramey Jaffe <laughs> um I'm going to have to stay. Definitely needs to stick to making money with the music and not on the silver screen. Um, he was kind of painfully hard to watch in, even though an entertaining way, because he was just so damn bad. Um, also, I thought this was rather interesting. Steve Vai, unaccredited actually plays the hands of Dave Grohl in a couple scenes. Um, 
lending his hands to the musicianship. Um, so getting into the film itself. Okay. First of all, it's rated R for, I don't know, modern society, um, are all a bunch of walking vaginas in my case, in my mind. So there's that. Um, it says for, uh, rated R for bloody violence and gore. Okay. Well, anyway, language and some very light sexual content. Anyhow, the plot of the, of the story. So the rock legends uh, rent out a house to put together the next big project for their 10th album. They promise Jeff Garland, record label executive, this is going to be the biggest and the best over-the-top that's ever been made. Ever. So they get a huge mansion up in the Encino Hills. Um, but the house itself actually has a very gritty and bloody past. That is unbeknownst to them. But still lingers with inside those walls. Now Dave happens to stumble across the entity through... Uh, through old music that he finds in an old dusty cellar uh, through one of the detached uh, units of the, of the house that they're renting out. Amongst playing it, he actually becomes possessed. Now, at that point, the guys in the band start noticing something's weird going on with Dave. Duly so, he comes possessed with finishing the greatest all-time song ever created. It has no start. It has no finish. It has nothing to it. And systematically, he goes through the band members one at a time, laying drum tracks, guitar tracks, bass tracks, systematically killing them after they have pretty much bled themselves to death to do this final part for the band, for the song, for their part that's due. Um, in doing so, it, it's very lighthearted. Uh, it's, it's a fun movie. Um, it's stereotypical Dave, in my opinion. I've, I'm going to come forward with this. Growing up, when the Foo Fighters came out, I never cared for them. I really didn't. Over the past 10, 15 years, there have been songs that have really matured as far as they go, musically. That I have enjoyed. Do I own any of their music? No, I do not. Do I like some of their songs? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think radio is going to kill them? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Because at any given time, at any given station, between the four stations that I normally listen to Monday through Friday while working, 
change the channel between any four of them, change the station, excuse me, there's usually one station always playing a Foo Fighters song. Hey, good for them. Great for them. Popularity is growing. I think Dave, from what I know of him, seems to just be the all-around guy that everybody wants to hang out with. He seems to be a great person, a fun person. I've never heard or seen of anything where stardom has gone to this man's head, and he's become the rock star. And I think that's what everybody loves about Dave so much, is that he is actually living out the life of a fan of music and being up on stage and having such a great time and living rock and roll. I mean, the man has, he was supposed to have been, or auditioned for, I believe, is what the story goes for, for Gwar. Okay, he's made mention of them many times live on stage. Um, <laughs> his covers are perfect. I mean, he did Prince for crying out loud. Come on. All right, Dave just loves music and lives it and has a good damn time doing it, and it shows, and it came through perfect in this film. It's lighthearted. It's campy. The opening scene of the film shows the previous band, Dream Widow, which is the music that Dave stumbles upon upon coming and becoming possessed. The opening scene has the band in that house trying to record their album. And holy shit, I'm not going to lie to you. The scenes that were portrayed there of the murders, <laughs> um, pretty damn impressive, pretty brutal. And I thought, that was definitely setting the feel for the film. Now, things did change after that scene. What I expected wasn't necessarily what I got. But then again, we are talking about the Foo Fighters. And it was a fun takeover. I wasn't disappointed with where they went to it. I think they did really well with it. Um... The cast, like I said, that they did have the ensemble for, I think was perfect. Um, end of the film came and pleasant surprises. <laughs> I think they did really well with it. Will there be a part two? No. Are the Foo Fighters continuing? That I don't know. Um... Studio 666 was released very, very limited. Um, I believe, from what I was told, it was actually only released in the theaters for one day. I do not know at this point in time if it is released for streaming anywhere. If it is, whether you are a fan of Foo Fighters, fan of Dave, fan of horror, fan of comedy, I would definitely suggest taking, taking a quick look at this. Um, you know, Carrie King, like I said, legendary rock band from Slayer. Um, he plays a roadie. And I'm, I'm sorry, I, I grew up, I've worked with a number of, of local bands. My friends were in bands growing up, and I would help them out as much as I could. 
And there's a scene in particular where, where Dave is doing a sound check for, uh, for a drum setup. And there's Carrie sitting right next to him, moving the snare. And he's just, bam! And, and Carrie's face is right next to the drum. Nope, no, that's not good enough. A little bit more. Bam! Nope, that not. And the, the look on Carrie's face is just hysterical. You can see the irritation, the ringing in his ears, the, the slamming of the drum right next to his face. It's just stuff like that. Small stuff. You just... You, you have the appreciation. You have the little bit of nostalgia also. The ear-to-ear grin. Uh, Studio 666. Definitely worth a watch. Go into it, like I said, with an open mind. It's not going to win any awards. Uh, B.J. McDonald did do a great job with it. It is something that I will be adding to the collection one day once it is released onto DVD. It's a fun movie. That's my five minutes, my five cents worth. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, On a side note, The Witching Hour is also expanding. Um, I'm opening up a platform, a talk show, if you will, called witching and bitching. If you'd care to be a guest on the show, simply drop me a line. What we're doing is uh, I get random guests. Once a show starts, I'm then going to pick a topic and surprise you with it. Pro or con. Music, movies, whatever it is. Then you guys get to battle it out For 35, 45 minutes, if so. Witching and bitching. Keep an eye out for it. Guys, thank you so much for your time. And keep it evil.